0: All right, here we go. Welcome to the On Track and Field podcast. I'm your host, JT Ayers. All things track and field related, on trackandfield.com. Just go to the website. Click off, actually wait until the podcast is over and then click out of the podcast and just go to ontrackandfield.com. They have what you need to give your kids, your athletes the best opportunity to be successful, including shot and disc, which actually pertains to the podcast interviewer or interviewee we have. And they have good stuff. And you know how I know this? Because I'm a head coach and I buy their stuff and their stuff is inexpensive and it's really good. And in a world where everything's so expensive, especially track and field equipment, they're gonna have the best price for you, and if they don't, just contact their CEO. I'm sure he'll match it or figure out a way to get you what you need on TrackAndField.com. With me today is Brian Bluetrick. He is the 1992 Olympian, three-time USA or USTF CCCA Coach of the Year. Coaches at Oregon, uh, Go Ducks, as well as many other world champions and Olympians. Um, even off podcast, I was just like, I don't have a lot of people on the podcast that were throws coaches and so I wanted to start with the best coach thanks so much for joining me yes thanks for having me absolutely so let's first and foremost I, I gotta ask about Oregon I mean you literally coach at one of the nicest facilities in the world but yet you live in a town Eugene that's not that easy to get to and not that nice and well certain parts what's it like just to live there and coach there
1: um oh it, it's good it's a smaller town uh, for the people who've been here obviously know. um coming from arizona phoenix area it's obviously a, a lot different uh in terms of weather in terms of everything but i really enjoy it here um you know i didn't know what to expect growing up in southern california uh moving to the, to the northwest um but uh it's, yeah, getting here is actually better than it used to be. They're actually at, at Eugene, the Eugene airport. They are actually allowing bigger planes in now and more planes. So it's getting better to, to get in here. Um, obviously um we have different challenges than other people do but every place there's no perfect place maybe except maybe go down to san diego or something but um even then you're dealing with cost of a you know cost of living and 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 all that stuff so for i'm at my life and and uh what i'm doing like to do enjoy to do um i love living here i don't have traffic anymore um and it just it's just an easier and a little bit easier way of life for sure up here in the northwest
0: Well, that's one of the things when you think about Oregon, you think about their gear, and no one can see this, but I'm looking at you on a Zoom call and you look good. You look in your Oregon hat and your Oregon, so your Oregon polo. You look so good in that Oregon stuff. All right. There's a lot of just misconceptions out there. Is Oregon have an unlimited budget? Do they have an unlimited amount of facility use? Is it perfect where you're at?
1: Nowhere's perfect. Now we have the best. Facility in the world for track and field only, um, I believe, of all my places I've ever been. Um, for it as a track only facility, I think it is it is amazing. Um, it's probably the best place to host uh, host meets with our setup in terms of our warm up areas, in terms of anything you need to do underneath the stadium, outside of the stadium. Um, it's actually fantastic, and the way the the place is supported with our officials and and people support the the meets here. Um, I can't think of a better place to host uh, a, a big meet. For oh, sure. for
0: sure. I mean, I was there at two years ago when there was Worlds. And my gosh, I mean, I if you're a track junkie, you just go there and walk around. You start looking at things like, wow, I really love what they did with Archway. And I really love where the throws are and weird stuff. But I don't want to talk too much about that because in our limited amount of time, I want to get in the nuts and bolts of just – field event coaching and you are dealing with athletes that have only a set number of opportunities to even throw down a mark that can allow them to qualify or even throw down a mark to even win. And it may just take one. Um, How do you coach athletes during competition versus how do you coach them during training?
1: Obviously, it's quite different. And it also depends on the level of, of, of youngster that you're dealing with, but you know, I'm really focused on teaching in practice, uh, attention to detail. Um, And I think that's where my strengths lie is, is in the teaching concept, you know, concept Um, and really getting to the nuts and bolts of, of, with a new person, breaking it down, pulling those, you know, those onion peels back and just get to the raw, you know, let's start from here and break it down and then build it back up. I always tell my kids, it's, probably get a little worse before you get better. So I'm taking out of any rhythm and timing you've ever had and just to expect that. But in terms of the long term, with the attention to detail, I think that's their third, fourth, fifth year that they really excel. Um in terms in the meat, try to keep it super simple. Um, don't wanna, it's time to compete, you know. And we think of one thing maybe, or you know, in a when we, especially by the time we get to nationals, it's like, we're thinking about one thing and one thing only, uh, if it's a technical thing or whatever it is for rhythm or whatever it is that that individual needs, but I, it's, it's time for them to go and I don't want to confuse them. And, and, uh, I just more there for support. And, and, uh, you know, if I see something a little here, a little there, we'll talk about it, but otherwise it's just get in and go for sure.
0: Yeah. It seems like more often than not, you see overcoaching. um, I mean, especially in any type of field event, like the coaches panic is faster and if not more than the athlete would, um, so you're telling me mean, you, you're very calm, collected, you know, it's just on a podcast for four minutes. I can tell that you're already calming me down and I'm a very hype <laughs> type of person. So how do you get the athletes to even just in the practice they did what they were supposed to do, they get to the competition and things aren't going right. Their first throw or second throw you know, sectored or didn't do what they wanted to do. They have one more or whatever. I mean, what do you do to get them hyped? What do you do to get them mentally ready? I mean, we're talking about literally no matter what you do in training, they have to do that in competition. How do you, and you've had really good success with your athletes. How do you get them to that moment?
1: Well, you can't think about distance. You can't think about winning and losing. Uh, you look and think about the things that you can you can do and so we're more concerned about you know execution in a, in a meat situation worry about what you can do um, if they have one throw left you know everyone's nervous it's that hey let's just try to calm, calm down as best you can hey you know smile and hey this is just throwing right It's it's not life or death or anything like that and and just trying to get them the right frame of mind and, and hey, let's just worry about staying centered or, hey, let's just worry about, you know, the things that they, you know, one thing that they need to work on and just keep it super simple. And um, just let the adrenaline do its work for, you know, you don't have to force it or, you know, anytime you try to force or anything like that in a meat situation, it's probably not going to work. If you're thinking about how far you have to throw to qualify, probably not going to work um it's just literally just you know you talk to any, any field eventers and it's like they have their best performances when they were just like oh that was really easy i didn't even think about it you know it's like well yeah because you're just letting your body perform and letting yourself compete and it's hard to, to, to discern that between practice and meets because you know everything in practice is so mechanical and, and hey work on this work on that da da, da 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 but um and so the early meets it's just kind of let's see where we're at you know, from where we're at technically let the adrenaline help you a little bit, but then by the time the end of the season, you know, now you have more meat rhythm because meats are different than practice. Sometimes it might take 30 minutes to take a throw and in practice. It might take five minutes or less. Um, so you have to develop meat rhythm. And um, so by the time the year, at the end of the year, you know, you have more meat rhythm, you're, you know, you're ready to, you know, you're available to, or it's easier to take throws, you know, every 15, 20 minutes than it was, you know, say your first meet of the year. So, you just have to adapt and, and become meat ready and not practice ready.
0: You measure a lot during practices. I mean, do you create competitions and tell them like, Oh my gosh, you just threw this. Like, that's amazing. Or, you know, you, you sectored this, but I know you're going to be able to do this in a meet. Are you trying to help the athletes believe like you shake your head? I, I see you shaking your head right now. <laughs>
1: yeah. I and mean, every, every athlete's different. Like, we're throwing into nets and we're doing stuff now. It's just, I want it to go five feet every time or we're very lucky here. and We have a discus range We I can see edges where it goes like, you know, 20, 25 meet, or 20 meters out uh, into a net. So I can see how the discus flies. Um, sometimes throwing a net, you know, close range is, is tough to do with a disc. But, um, you know, my kids are throwing into walls, nets, whatever it is, probably till November. And then we'll flip it outside a little bit and kind of see where we're at because i want the kids to worry about their technique the moment they start seeing where it lands then everything kind of goes to crap so um so then we have that transition period to where it's like okay it's it's coach i'm not throwing that far that's okay because it takes a month of hard throwing to get your time in rhythm so until talking about that after a month of hard throwing <laughs> but um but yeah i mean we We'll, we'll have some competitions, you know, it depends on your group and your person. Um, it's always to, to, to start getting ready for meets. You have to do throw, you know, part of your practice has to be throwing harder and more aggressive um, to develop that timing and rhythm. So we'll have some competitions here and there for fun to break up the, the monotony of, of, of fall. Um, and fall can be, you know, uh, challenging at times. You know, I, I always tell kids, the, and this was told to me by a, a former throw when I was in college, that the more boring your training gets, the better you're going to be. Because that means you're doing more right things in practice, and it's more boring than, oh, my God, I have to change this, 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 this. So, you know, the more repetitions you get, you know, correct repetitions, the better timing, better rhythm you're going to get. So it all kind of builds up towards
0: the end. Are you giving the uh, athletes implements that are overly heavy um, more than <laughs> competition weight?
1: every coach is different on that model um i'm not a a heavier weight guy i do a little bit like you know i'm I'm more about the technique of it Uh, and then once they do get their technique more correct and right i might throw some heavier stuff in there but a lot of times if they're young the age group that i have to coach you know it's it's more of developmental and then by the time they're done graduated and move on if, if some move on to pro then you can do a little bit different things but um i'm more especially in the shot i like to use either lighter shots or regular shots to to work on the technique because sometimes heavier your body your body and your technique will change uh to support the heavier weight um just what i've seen in over the years but There's many great coaches and teachers out there that that do heavy and they have great success with it. And, you know, it just depends on what model you want to use and what's, and really what's best for the the student athlete. I mean, because everyone's different. Like, you know, I have a couple of kids who I will use some heavier stuff with, but, you know, not a lot of it. You know, it depends on what your event, too. Because hammer, you're probably using more heavier stuff. Uh, Javelin, heck no. Uh, Not for the (laughs) Asian. um shot you can use a little bit heavier um and discus people do but i'm not a bit not not a huge fan of heavy discs uh but more shots and hammers for sure
0: that's interesting to hear and now there's also elements like i mean you're at oregon are you in charge of the weight room when it comes to your throwers do they ask for your input or do they already have the person that is in charge of what happens for the track and field team yeah in the up
1: until a few years back, I've done all the weight workouts and um, for all my groups. And within the last few years, I've I've reached out to you know some of the strength coaches that are at the universities that I've been at and and discussed and talked with. So um, it takes a little bit off my plate of having excuse me to be there, you know, during the weight strength session because it's tough because I'm working with multiple groups um i want them to get out of here as, as fast as they can so they get to their schoolwork and and stuff like that but i definitely oversee it um we talk together the current coach i work with we talk together about what i want to do how we want to do it and he can throw his expertise in um hey how about this and that and we'll kind of you know mesh ideas together but for the most part I'm the one that's kind of in charge of it. And, um, and they're there to, if I'm not there, to work with, you know, Olympic lifting technique and and just different exercises that they may think they work well. And we kind of, you know, put it together. But in the end, it's, it's, it's me.
0: So when they come to you, are they just throwing? Or are you, like, going to sprint them and make them hurdle hop and use plyometrics? And what do you get to do uh, when they come to you and they're on the field? Yeah, well,
1: I, I hate to keep saying the same thing over and over, but it depends on the kid. Um, everyone's fitness levels are completely different, so I can't train, you know, someone like Yorinda Van Klinken to do a freshman who, you know, hasn't done much lifting or anything like that. So um, I the throwing is the ability to move something fast is the bottom line. So I am a big believer of fitness. I'm a big believer in Um, even my earlier groups probably hate me, uh, because we ran a lot (laughs) and a lot of fitness stuff. Um, but I think you have to be athletic. You have to run and jump. And, you know, I love kids. We all love kids that play basketball and football and, you know, volleyball and and all these different things that develop the, the coordination and develop the muscle patterns and movements of the body that, you know, become athletic. Because then, like I said, in the end, it's who can move the thing the fastest and I obviously develop strength and all that kind of stuff. But for college track and field athletes, it's imperative to, you know, it's harder and harder now with, with kids who just don't go out and play anymore. You know, we, we have to do this extra fitness stuff because they didn't really get it in high school or growing up and, you know, where they lived and, you know, we have to spend extra time, you know, adding fitness levels to, to training. So yeah, we do a lot of fitness work for sure especially in the fall summer and fall is we try to get all little muscles strong all little muscles ready flexible and so we're able to handle the heavier stuff a little bit later in the year
0: you mentioned van Clinken. um explain that experience this was this last year right is this was the last year that she had such a tremendous uh gosh we we tried following it but man she was unbelievable what she was able to do explain that experience and also explain how does you how do you know someone's ready to reach a certain threshold level of a track meet world championships, NCAA championships, and be able to perform at that high, high level. I mean, are they, are you just surprised as their coach? Mm,
1: No, some people know how to compete right away. And you don't have to worry about so much about that. And some, you have to literally teach how to compete and you can have all the skills in the world and athletics in the world, but you, they don't know how to compete you got to teach them how to compete and that's probably more difficult than it is to actually teach someone actually the a b's and c's of throwing but with yorinda i had it for two and a half years and um you know she was always coming in as a pretty high level athlete who's competed at the highest levels um i've never once kind of had to talk to her about how to compete i think for more for her it was how to throw and that's why she came to the u.s her situation wasn't great in her country for for what she wanted to do and and i was very really fortunate to have the chance to work with her and, and we butted heads for a good month um she's <laughs> you know, very straightforward in her thoughts and her feelings and her thinking and and i think once i you know i held my ground and you know we had time to discuss but once she started things seeing things you know developing better then she's like okay she's a little more bought in on, on what's happening but what she did this year was out of this world you know um you know she's like I want to do the Diamond League final and I'm like uh okay which means you have to go overseas and train and and what she did I, I basically trained her through the whole NCA season and um because she's already won two NCA titles before in the discus and, and one in the shot. You know, she did her schedule as NSA regionals, uh, then she went to Italy, came back, then she did NSA finals, then off to Oslo and won the Diamond League, beat two and two two uh, Olympic champions in that meet, came back for graduation, then went back and through in in um uh Stockholm was it maybe. And then came back and trained. And then we went to training camp in her country and then went to Worlds. And then she was, four, you know, through 67 meters in the disc and over 19 in the shot, was a double world finalist. Um, it, You know, at the highest level. Like, she just didn't go and just do it. Because, like, a lot of these kids, you know, they get through NCAAs and they're torched. Oh, sure. And, you know, mentally, physically, the whole deal. And what she was able to do and how we did it um was, was pretty special on I I've never seen anything like it and I wasn't a fan of it but you know having transferred here to Oregon um she wanted to compete as an Oregon duck at the Diamond League final and since the Diamond League final was here she actually got to wear an Oregon uniform and you know she won in states here as a as a Sun Devil but uh she never done anything here as a duck. So um, that was her big thing, and she ended up throwing sixty-six meters here at Diamond League final in September. You know, you started competing in January. It's you know, it's a long, long, long year, and she's she's a tough young lady. So um, kudos to her, and and it just pushed my level of you know what to do um, with her, and um, trusting that the process will work and it it worked out just fine. So, um, but yeah, it it takes unique people to, to do things like that for sure.
0: So what separates these unique individuals that can compete at the highest, highest levels versus everybody else? I mean, what have you seen that can just like acclimate to this idea that these type of people are just different? Like, what have you seen?
1: They are every, every great, Champion I've ever had. They have something different mentally, and you know, one person I had to really teach how to, you know, compete. But, um, and you have to learn at every level. Like if you're a young coach, and you got okay, you have your league meet, and like, oh, I didn't do that well, but the next year I did, and you work up the state, and you know, it's like oh, first year I didn't do well, the next year I did. you learn from, you know, you have to learn as you go. And I think the kids that can learn and understand how to control their emotions and let the um, what's the word I'm looking for here the adrenaline to work for them and not against them I think those are the ones who are the adrenaline junkies you hear about the kids being adrenaline junkies and like I was at, we were at World this year with Rinda and, and we were at the practice there and she just went I live for this moment and I was like oh okay you know they're just like they crave, like all the great champions in any sport, like they crave that competition. They crave, you know, the process of what it takes to get there. But when they get there, it's it's like no other, cause it's the elite of the elite. And they all, all those people have the same motivation, the same, everything. It's just who can do it on that day. And, um, you know, People like her, I mean, she like she is different, but she's so like everybody else at that level. If you see all the medal winners and, and all the top people there, they all have that same kind of concept. You just don't really see them scared to be there, you know. But there's times you have to feel that moment and, and the ability to just be in that moment and just focus, you know, not looking at the people around you and, oh, my God, there's 80,000 people in the stadium and, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of outside things traveling overseas and that's an art in itself you know you know how to how to sleep you can sleep on a plane you know what kind of food you eating you know it's just there's so much more to it but um you know generally the greats all have the same similar similar features and and yeah and um, it's it's like I said. Sometimes you have to teach it, and sometimes you gotta live it, and sometimes people just have it naturally. But at some point in time, you're gonna have to teach the whole thing from from start to finish.
0: Yeah, I appreciate you saying that. It depends on the kid, because what you're even advocating for is know your athletes, know what they need, know how they can get yeah. there. That's it's yeah. it's great to hear. It's great to be affirmed in that too. Well, coach, I promised I wouldn't take too much of your time, but I have one last question, just because. You're the only person that can answer this. Why am I watching Ryan Krauser and Joe and all these guys put hundreds and hundreds of pounds on a pin squat the day of competition? Like why 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 are they doing that? Uh,
1: you gotta ask them. Uh <laughs> I've got a great story. Uh 2012, I think it was, when um oh, the Missouri shop putter uh Cantwell and Christian Cantwell. And we're in London and and I think we're in London, and we got with and he's the day before the shot final, and he was bench pressing five forty five for fives. No lie, for sets five forty five for fives the day before, and I was like, "Christian, I, I I just have to ask why." And he's like, "It looked easy, right?" And I was like, "Yeah." He goes, "Well, there you go." <laughs> like, holy, holy man. <laughs> Wow, just different. There's there's things called stim lifts, but damn, you know, everyone works a little differently. And, uh, you know, and that was Christian. And I just, I've never seen anything like it, but that's what makes him different than everybody else. And that's what makes Ryan and Joe and all those guys just different than everybody else because they can just do things other people can't. And that's the elite of the elite. And that's because every, every, great athlete I've ever seen can do something super freaky, whether it's jumping, lifting. There's not a single one of them that can't do something that's just out of control nuts. And, um, and that's what makes them unique. And, and that's what makes them great.
0: We'll end with that. That's fantastic. The best thing about track and field are the stories. And so I'm sure you're going to tell that story a couple of times this year to your athletes. I'm for sure. Um, That's great. So coach, thank you for joining me. Um, This podcast is brought to you by ontrackoffield.com and also powered by relaybatons.com. Fun fact, they're both owned by the same CEO and stick around. You can listen to Steve, let you know he's our CEO, how to get in contact with them on social media. And you know what? Steve also can bench 500 and something pounds. I'm just kidding. He can't do that, but I'm sure he'd want to. But coach, before we leave, where can we find more about your your athletes your program even you how can we follow more about what you know the continued success
1: um probably uh, i'm not a big social media guy I'm, I'm not the greatest at updating instagrams and stuff like that but um you can probably find about our track program on instagram with oregon track and field And, um, I have a small little thing on Instagram with Oregon throws on my name and, and I'll post a few things here and there, but uh, I'm not, like I said, I'm not the elite at doing that. I'm a little more old school, but, um, but yeah, those are probably the best places to to check out Oregon a little bit more.
0: Yeah. Well, the one thing that Oregon does not lack is marketing and branding. So we'll be easy to follow you coach. Thank you so much. We appreciate you and everyone stick around, listen to Steve, how to get in contact with them. And as a parting gift, I'm going to get. Uh, coach, and I'm, we're going to try to get him a gift just for him on trackandfield.com and relay batons, just as a thank you. And I'm sure the, last, the the one thing he definitely needs in his life is more swag and cool stuff. So, Coach, thanks for joining me.
2: All right. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Steve, take us away. Thanks for joining us on this week's On Track and Field podcast with Coach Brian Bluecheck. The On Track and Field podcast is powered by RelayBatons.com. Custom engraved, meet and competition legal relay batons, water bottles and tumblers, great for team branding, fundraisers, meet awards, and coaches' gifts. And by OnTrackandField.com. Cross country and tracks one stop source for everything you need for a successful season competition gear, spikes, training equipment, and OnTrackAndField.com has everything you need, including our new pull vault and high jump landing systems designed by jumpers for jumpers. Check them out online or give us a call for a free quote. And make sure to check out our new website, OnTrackRunning.com, your new source for competition and training shoes featuring Saucony, Brooks, On Running, New Balance, Asics, and Hoka Shoes and Spikes. OnTrackRunning.com. And make sure to follow us on our socials at OnTrack, the letter and Field at on track and field on twitter and the gram